0: Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com, the first Rosterwatch podcast of the year 2018. My name is Alex Dunlap. I am here, of course, with Byron Lambert. If you like the podcast, we'll hit you with it right off. Please go into iTunes, give it a five-star rating, give it a good review. All of the content that we're talking about here on the podcast can be found with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com where we are gearing up for the most important part of our season. And that is the NFL offseason, the business season, the evaluation season, NFL draft season. This is where all of our winning ways all start. It's at this time of year, and just this time of year, we were telling you last year about Kareem Hunt, about Cooper Cup, all guys at the Senior Bowl who are going to be beat, playing pivotal roles this weekend in the DFS landscape. We're going to get to all of it here on the podcast first. Just want to ask Byron. Byron, what the fuck's going on with the Cleveland Browns?
1: The same thing that's always going on with the Cleveland Browns. Browns being Browns, man. It's hilarious. it's hilarious. I mean... Not every team can be good.
0: I guess, but why can't they funny just try? When one, it's
1: funny, funny when one is perpetually bad, especially when you have such an irritating media, local media base.
0: Well, why can't they, they just try? I feel try? like they kind
1: of deserve it.
0: Are they just trying to lose? I mean, they, they, they're they bringing back Hugh Jackson, who, which I, I don't think there's a single club in the universe that would have brought him back. Um,
1: well, I got a lot of respect for Browns fans. They're actually one of the... In some ways, one of the good fan bases of the NFL, you know, man, you've always got to be reminded, Alex, that these guys are businessmen who own these teams. They're businessmen. These are businesses.
0: Yeah, but why do you bring back you? It's bad business. He's won one game there in two years. Because he's
1: still he's – still, Haslam is still counting cash to the ceiling with NFL, NFL revenue sharing and all the other things that go along with it. There's some owners in every sport that have made the calculated decision that – making money in a low impact way is is a better decision than going all in on winning
0: yeah and that happens mainly in ohio right (laughs) you know since he does that um it's it's it's, it's,
1: oh and 16 i mean how sick what an exciting i'm sure there will be it'll be um a source of grave disappointment sooner than later but how exciting for browns fans to have a crack at a quarterback possibly saquon barkley i mean that the The draft ammo is shaping up, you know, terrific. I don't know John Dorsey. I I don't mind John Dorsey. Hugh Jackson's obviously ridiculous. Well, here's to keep my it. thing, but, Dorsey... and Marvin Marvin Lewis is fucking back in Cincinnati. I think there's something in the water in Ohio.
0: Yeah, I'll something. It. Yeah, that and well, that wire, that water up there always lights on fire.
1: Now, well, and the <laughs> thing is, the thing is, the thing is, is that Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, they used to own the Browns. I'm pretty sure.
0: It's, well, there, there's a relate. I don't think that's exactly right, but I think there's some sort of isn't there's the, there's some kind of relationship there. We'd the genesis, exactly the genesis it, yeah.
1: of those teams. There's something, yeah. something to
0: that. Um,
1: so I think it's in the bloodlines, man. But,
0: but but just before we get into the DFS slate, what about this bullshit where the Browns turned down their invite to coach the Senior Bowl? Or I mean, are they trying to lose?
1: I mean that is the hallmark of a bad organization. They There's turned no, down nothing. an
0: invite to coach this Senior Bowl. It, Baker Mayfield is going to be at this Senior Bowl. What I mean, shouldn't John Dorsey at least know better?
1: Well, look at what the good teams around the league have done. They've stacked up Senior Bowl players over the last few years, and it's paid paid off big. Uh, I think it's a it's a hallmark of a of a of a bad organization. And you know, look. It's what's worse. The what's worse guys like the Browns not taking the opportunity to coach this event, or guys like AJ McCarron who've just skipped the event altogether from the player side of things. It's it's bad business for everybody. If you go to the senior bowl, you get and you're any good, you get drafted in the first round or two, and especially if you're a quarterback, and the good teams go there and they stack up senior bowlers to the ceiling in their draft at great value left and right, man. Those guys are sick, man. <laughs>
0: And Dorsey did say that they will be in attendance at the Senior Bowl. They just don't want to be coaching it due to the fact that they have uh, some staff, you know, makeovers to make. My deal is, I don't care. The Minnesota Vikings showed up there in the year that they drafted Harrison Smith, and they didn't even have a defensive coordinator, you know? Like, I, I just, I don't know. or What was it? Their defensive coordinator had to, or no, their defensive coordinator had to put off getting some sort of badly needed, like, certain neck surgery or something like that so he could be there at the Senior Bowl. Like, these teams, generally you have to make these coaching decisions and these moves and everything else, you know, in time for the Senior Bowl. That's that's why you do it. I just, for the life of me, I cannot understand how the Cleveland Browns at a Senior Bowl where Baker Mayfield is going to be there, and you know that Phil would let them have, you know that Phil would make it to where the the Browns got Mayfield on, on on their squad. Well, they're
1: they're not going to take Baker Mayfield.
0: Well, they they might not. Don't you
1: think their mind is already made up? Probably on one of those other guys at the very top. It seems early to be made. Up, early in the process. You know the Are other thing, crazy. Me that they don't
0: want to do their whole due diligence on Baker Mayfield. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, you know how look, we've and
1: there's Baker, nothing. And Baker n- nothing. Mayfield
0: could fall to the early second, and they have picks all through there.
1: There's it nothing like lo- all
0: through there. Sashi stacked up picks for these idiots.
1: Yeah, they have the second round picks at the top. I mean, I, I get it. He could be in play for them, and there's nothing that's a substitute for coaching. But they will get the private meetings. They will, you know, we're able to go to the Senior Bowl and get a lot of scouting done from the stands where these guys will be. Um, you know, it, isn't it just crazy that the season is essentially over, but this is actually the, the most important time of year for us.
0: Oh, it's the time I get most pumped about, and you know what, these podcasts, like if you look at our numbers, these podcasts are most popular over the draft season, when we're coming to you live from the Senior Bowl, and the Combine, and the Pro Day Tour, and and you know, de- delivering that sort of intelligence, because it's what nobody else does, everybody in the fantasy world is about to start focusing on, like, baseball, and like, WOBA, and, you know, righty versus lefty splits, and, you know, Team OPS, and, you know, BVP, and just everything else, and it's just we're gonna, you know, or going, we're going
1: or or going into hibernation, and I won't see them until the NFFC in July in Dallas. where they Will ask me for a copy, a
0: copy the cheat of, sheet <laughs> of
1: our draft cheat sheet, so guys like Matthew Barry <laughs> and Stefania yeah. Bell, Liz Loza, all those people can do their experts draft live uh, uh, up up there with me. Yeah, I mean the 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 off season, it's it's where the sausage is made, and I think people like coming to see how see the sausage making process, you know, during the season is just where we serve the sausage just yeah. happens to be when the lights are on Tony ESP and Cleveland reporting that from Tony grossy here, that Corey Coleman's future is uncertain in Cleveland.
0: Well, Tony Grossi's such a, I mean, here's the thing. I don't trust anything that comes out of that media period. And Tony Grossi, that was such a sensationalized bit of reporting that he was saying that, you know, he's never done anything in their concerns about his ability to play in the cold. I just think it's so stupid. Like, that's not a concern. That's something he made up. That's a narrative that him and his friends made up in the newsroom.
1: Well, speaking of sensationalized reporting and manufactured narratives, what do you think about the— ESPN report about the Patriots.
0: You know what? It, did that come out just this morning? I've been he, I've been working wicker, on Wickersham
1: dropped it at like midnight
0: last uh, Well, night. I, I I retweeted the fact, I retweeted the news that the the you know apparently the hit piece was coming out. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. We're recording this on Friday, sort of late morning. I've had some content for roster watch to get ready. We've had. We're going to have, of course, at RosterWatch.com, the DFS cheat sheets for the wild card weekend here up at some point on Friday. Uh, We do not have them yet. So if you want to hear sort of our final, see what our final sort of thoughts were, our final calibrations on this slate, what our analytics eventually pointed to, besides our sort of initial thoughts in this run through, you can find that all at RosterWatch.com with a pro membership. It's the best way to support us uh, through this offseason of Maniacal Travels and Travails. With that said, Byron, um I didn't see it. What was your main takeaway from that? Is, is there really the discord between uh you know the kind of tr- triumvirate there of Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady?
1: You know, I think like most things we see today there's certainly some underlying truth to it. And then there's also some sensationalization almost certainly of the narrative of the story and you know what do we see all the time we see good writers you know this Alex you're you're a good writer these people take they take facts but then they write them into a story and that 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 that, that shapes that shapes the narrative so I think that's what we have here and honestly the more I think about it the more I more I wonder if this doesn't just give Belichick and the Patriots exactly what they need to go win another Super Bowl it's uh, always yeah. always yeah. something like this and they don't need it
0: no, I can. I mean, I can honestly, I can honestly see guys like Mike Loico just rubbing their hands together and saying, "Oh, just what we needed is for them to get Belichick and for them to get Belichick and Brady angry at just the right time." But you got
1: to know that Belichick, being the great coach that he is, you've got to know he. It was tough for him to let go of Garoppolo. No, there well, had to be. Well, he, did, he knows. Well,
0: did he knows. Did Did he, say anything about the reports that came out that it was actually? Belichick that was interested in maybe floating the idea of trading Brady and Brady, you know, and Kraft coming back and saying what the fuck, you know, and so it turned into the to the trading away of Garoppolo. Did was any mention made of that report?
1: I mean, th- those are all the implications, and I mean, you think about the great coaches over time. You know, Bill Walsh was willing to let go of Joe Montana. The great, the great coaches, the great organizations do it. Belichick, you could it, not a surprise at all that that's probably seems very rational that that may have been what bill belichick had in mind it's a tough decisions these guys got to make not you know it's never good to let go of your star but you got to think as the coach and the steward of the roster that's that that is very good chance that's what belichick
0: had in mind well it's pretty pretty woolly <laughs> i mean that's pretty woolly but yeah there would have been a I yeah that's well if if Belichick had that in mind that's going to cause discord with with Robert Kraft because I honestly feel like they see Tom Brady as family you know I think the Krafts see Tom Tom Brady as family and it's just uh, I think he's set there I think he's a made man there for the New England Patriots so
1: yeah I hope Brady retires a Patriot you know but I also understand the need to make some tough roster decisions so it's it's going to be a tough decision when it happens I I don't want to see Brady play anywhere else. That sucks for the Patriots organization to lose a guy like Garoppolo. That they look, they went out and drafted him in the second round. You know, yeah. after they'd already done the Ryan Mallett project, and I mean, Brady still has all these supposed years left. I mean, they put a lot into Garoppolo to develop him. Everything. I mean, and so do you remember? The
0: t- was that a tough decision at the Senior Bowl between our all Senior Bowl roster? Was that between Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo that year? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And, and
1: isn't it? it crazy?
0: It's funny. Yeah. It's funny looking back now at how how that looked to start and how it looks now and just kind of that whole that whole dichotomy. It's a little bit different than I would have thought, <laughs> you know, six weeks ago. Teddy, but, Brid- Teddy yeah.
1: Bridgewater, Johnny Pepe completely out of that picture. And, you know, I posed the question on Twitter a few weeks ago. Raider Nation thought I was trolling them. I wasn't. But, who, you know, who's better? Who's the better quarterback, Blake Bortles or Derek Carr?
0: It's pretty, yeah. I mean, at this point, Blake Bortles has had a couple of, couple of stinkers here to end what was a pretty good run. Um, but Derek Carr, I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's been, it's been bad. And then uh, just before we get into the DFS slate, what about this stuff about? Do you think that the firing of Jack Del Rio had anything to do with with, with the reports out of the, uh, out of the locker room that he called? Um, you know, about how he made Derek Carr cry by calling him a cum dumpster and stuff like this?
1: I think where there's a little smar- smoke, there's usually a, at least a little bit of fire.
0: Well, I mean, I can't believe some of the names he was accused of calling
1: I love him. that Marshawn Lynch was just yelling, town bidness, town business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Marshawn Lynch, man. Hey, dude, sticks and stones can can break his bones, but words ain't ever going to hurt him like like, like they hurt Derek Carr, right? A
1: a complete distraction and carnival circus to the franchise, just a huge albatross. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, you know, thinking back to training camp and just all the signs were there, all the special attention, how he did everything on his own. The PR staff was always around him. He got all the special treatment. That's just, in the end, that's no good for an organization. I'll be very curious – you know, I'll be very curious to see what John Gruden wants to do with Marshawn Lynch because you can see a guy like Gruden itching to keep a guy like Beast Mode around and maybe get him out there and just run the hell out of him this last year while they're in Oakland. I'll be interesting to see how they reconcile because as you'd have to analyze it now, any good GM would tell Marshawn Lynch to get the hell out of there.
0: Oh, he needs to get the hell out. I mean, it, it like, look, it was something where in fantasy, once we knew this was going to be the situation – you know, something that you had to pay attention to, something that you had to forecast for, something that we went out, you know, last year for Roster Watch Nation and delivered the intelligence regarding, you know, from Raiders camp, mainly just because of beast mode. Also trying to figure out that Amari Cooper, or Michael Crabtree situation, which I think is going to continue to be interesting <laughs> moving forward here. Um, but I guess if, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what ownership there in Oakland is really. I, I don't know if they. I don't know if they have their heads on straight. I don't I don't know. I think the beast mode, like you said, is a distraction. But the fact of the matter is they need somebody who is going to be an every-down runner. They don't have it on the roster. Maybe they'll focus on it in the 2018 draft or in free agency. Lord knows they need somebody in there that can run between the tackles. And his name is not Jalen Richard or... DeAndre Washington. Dude.
1: I feel it's almost a certainty they're going to draft a running back. I could see Gruden saying let's We said let's that bring... last
0: year. We said it last year.
1: Yeah, they have to this year. And I could see him bringing back – I could see maybe bringing back Lynch for one year while you develop the young guy and let him take over the reins. I mean, I'd love to see somebody like a – you know, Barkley's not going to slide to nine, but I'd love to see somebody like a Geis, you know – maybe in the second round or something like that to the Raiders. I think that's where they'll be looking. I, I can't wait to see what John Gruden does with Amari Cooper. He's going to keep, they're going to keep him. They're going to exercise his fifth-year option. They're going to keep him for one more year. Don't ever forget that John Gruden coached Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. He's not going to put up with another year of of uh of a of a 11 or 12% drop rate. 10 drops on 90 targets. One of the worst in the league, worse than Dez Bryant who was atrocious Amari Cooper. I know Gruden's gonna see, want to see what he can do with that guy, but I don't think he's gonna put up with those drops for long. I'll be interested to see that, and they, you know, John Gruden's not easy on these guys, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, they're acting like that. Michael Crabtree is not long for the organization either. I'll just, that's which gonna- is
1: just crazy. It's Crabtree security blanket, but you've seen those two guys bark at each other a little bit this year. That tends to be out of brotherly love, though, is what Carr told me. He told me in the offseason those guys bark at each other, but it's, it's like brothers. I mean, that's his. I don't. I think Crabtree. You know, look with all these players, you run a real risk of them going off the reservation if you if the t- coaches and the schemes can't keep their head in the game. And when things start to go to hell in a handbag, guys like Crabtree start to go off the reservation. Interior car so-
0: starts crying yeah <laughs> you know i just I mean? think
1: it's not good man it's not good yeah,
0: all Right? we well, right we'll we'll,
1: we'll we'll be in napa valley next august
0: yeah yeah and, and of course we'll be at the senior bowl here in the next uh, couple of weeks what do you um, what do you
1: think about have you imagined have you uh, um visualized asking john gruden questions at the podium at the combine yet
0: no. Do you know what I visualized last night, though, as I was thinking about this DFS slate and the fact that Julio Jones only, has only had three touchdowns this season? It's just asking Dan Quinn, just saying, man, look, it's the third time I've asked you and every year you've told me that you're fired up <laughs> to get Julio Jones more looks in the red zone. At this point, is it just Julio Jones can't score touchdowns? Is that what, is that what this organization is trying to tell the world? is he just incapable of it?
1: I mean, we have a huge sample for Julio Jones. I like mean, this-
0: is is that just what is that just what we're supposed to come away with? I want to ask Dan Quinn that question. Is he incapable of scoring touchdowns at at any sort of reasonable clip that should fall in line with any sort of reasonable expectation for the amount of volume that he gets for the type of player that he is? Is it just he's not is 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 it a trash man? The trash man has said ever since he was out of college, he just doesn't score touchdowns. Is that just it?
1: I mean, that's very trashy, if true. I can't wait to ask John Robinson if he views Derrick Henry in the Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette echelon of young running
0: back talents. Do you like De- to let, Let's just let, let's get into this DFS slate. Hey, by the way, I've come, and,
1: I, and I've come off of Julio Jones this morning, this weekend, but let's go ahead.
0: You've come off of Julio Jones, meaning you're not playing him this week?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I think. I mean, just the more I looked at it, if I'm...
0: It's hard to get in. It's hard to get in.
1: I want to pay up at running back, and Sanu is a pretty good option if you want a piece of that. I know Tremaine Johnson hadn't been anything good. The matchup's good on paper for Julio, but it's just been less than stellar, and Tremaine Johnson is a long, physical, good cornerback. I think that's a good matchup. I don't expect Julio to just run rough shot over that guy.
0: Well, how do you want to do this slate? Do you want to break it down by the uh, just by game? It's only four of them.
1: I think we should break it down by, well, that's fine. Yeah, because we can talk about how we think the games will go, which is honestly a very important nuance of some of the strategy, and, and that would be good for us to do, sure. All right, so this
0: thing will kick off on Saturday at 3.30 Central Time uh, with Tennessee visiting Kansas City. There's a 44.5 over-under in this game as of Friday, you know, er- early uh, afternoon slash late morning. Uh, Kansas City is eight-and-a-half point favorites. The over/under has stayed right there, pegged at 44 and a half. We have seen uh, a half a point of line movement there through dead numbers for the Kansas City um, for the Kansas City Chiefs to moving the line to eight and a half from where it opened up at 11. Um, I don't know, Byron. I know that to start the week you're a little bit interested in Marcus Mariota just out of a pricing standpoint. He's only at 5500 on DraftKings. Um, Another quick thing that I've noticed here is that the Tennessee Titans are receiving only 44% of public bets per sports insights. It looks like the majority of the public 56% is on the Kansas city chiefs as of right now. So the line movement does correspond with how the public support as far as number of betting tickets is coming in. Byron, how are you still on Marcus Mariota? Let's start with the Tennessee side of the football. If we have any interest here.
1: Yeah, I'm still very cozy to Marcus Mariota this week. Uh, like I said, I do want to be able to pay up at running back. And I'm gonna need the cash. I wanna pay up I wanna actually pay up at a bunch of positions. I think I'm gonna need the cash. I like what I've started to see out of Mariota. My opinion going into the week was that look, most of these over unders are no good. There's two games with high over unders. So it's you know, and that's Atlanta and Los Angeles and Carolina and New Orleans, right? And otherwise, it's a pretty, oh, um, I'm not sure there's going to be fireworks in all these games. And so my feeling is that with somebody like Mariota, that when it comes to a must-win playoff situation, he's going to run the ball. And we saw it. He went for 60 yards last week running the ball. And I kind of already had these thoughts. I also believe, based on the line, that the Titans are going to be playing from behind which is going to force Mariota to also run the ball. And then after I kind of had those thoughts, I saw the news trickling out that his teammates were coming out this week and saying, saying, oh, wow, like that's the first time we've seen Mariota look like Mariota. He's his old self. A couple of the linebackers, Arakpo, and uh, one other guy went went and had a meeting with him and told him, like, it's time for him to just take over and start doing his thing. He did it last week, so I feel like that's where this thing's headed. I think there's a good game script for it. To me, there's a lack of clarity. I mean, there's a reason to like Alex Smith, certainly on the other side of this. We can talk about it. Is 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 pri- you know to me it's close at that price point between Alex Smith and Drew Brees. I'm maybe warming up to Alex Smith the more that I look at these matchups for Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, but. Uh, Nonetheless, I just think it's a good spot for Mariota and I definitely think I could use the cash. And to me it's not clear that there's anybody that's just a stone cold lock uh that's that's, you know, at a price point anywhere close to him. So I don't know. There's a lot of reason for me by deduction to be interested in Marcus Mariota.
0: Yeah, I, I and then you mentioned his running ability. The thing that I kept kind of thinking about was um you know, we know that the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, for I don't, I don't like any team that's going into Arrowhead. You know, I don't. But one thing we know about the Chiefs, what do we know about their defensive backfield and their secondary? They're gonna, they're gonna run man, right? So they're gonna have their back to Mariota a ton. That's gonna give Mariota the opportunity to, uh, I think, tuck the ball and, and tuck the ball and run. You know, I think it's gonna. I think that's going to happen a lot because the thing, the other thing that we know about Kansas City is they do a great job covering running backs out of the backfield. I don't think that it's going to provide a lot of easy dump-offs there to Derrick Henry, who last week, even though he got, what, 98% of the snaps, only saw I – I can pull it up. I believe he only saw one target in that game, which was pretty surprising to me. For so, a
1: big monster.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, – no, two 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 targets in that game. I think he only caught one ball for the, for the big screen pass. Um, but the uh, – The, you know, they have trouble covering or I think that Derrick Henry is going to, you know, DeMarco Murray out of this game. You know, Derrick Henry clearly probably in in, in play. His price has gone up this week, but I think he's going to have trouble getting any receptions out of the backfield. I think that, you know, with Marcus Peters, at least there on one side of the field against one of these guys. Yeah, Mariota could see some space to to tuck and run. I do see I mean ten rushing attempts last week for sixty yards. Certainly if, nothing to sneeze. I, at. I
1: think if you bake in his expected probability to score a rushing touchdown on top of, you know, so the expected value of that event on top of just what we see as his rushing floor, I think he's got a built-in touchdown in this game. In a week where there could be some subpar quarterback play so I don't know Marcus Mariota very much in focus for me and you know Delaney Walker primarily and then to some extent Richard Matthews but primarily Delaney Walker are guys that I'm interested in this week so if I'm going to have interest in them in a game in a come from behind game then I have interest in Mariota I have interest in you know I, it, it makes some sense to me when I think about these scenario playing out and that's one thing you're always advising that we try to do in order to have some clarity and intuition in our builds.
0: Well, especially on a four-game slate, you get I mean the like we 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 have to have correlation here. You know, we we can't have it to where these things aren't correlated because every correlation play is going to be thought of, you know, there's not going to be a single one that you're going to think of on your own. And so if, if like, it's just the if then scenarios, if this happens, what else is likely to happen? That's something that we always have to think about uh, on these slates because they're so tight. You know, this, this group of play, this player pool is tightly concentrated. We don't, we don't have as many to choose from. We have to make sure that when we do that, they're all correlated correctly. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Any interest in Eric Decker? I mean, it seems like he's been getting talked up a little bit in some places that I've read so far this week. Uh, He did see six targets in week 17. In week 16, he saw 10 targets. Week 15, uh, Eric Decker saw five targets. So, median six targets over the course of the last three weeks. Playing about, you know, Playing between sixty five and eighty-five percent of snaps. He's cheap. I believe he's says he's sub four K here on DraftKings. Let's see, Decker. Yeah, thirty five hundred. Um Yeah, you know. I've been
1: I've I've been I've been interested in Decker for the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure it ever came home to roost in a huge way, but there's definitely been indicators percolating for Eric Decker. And so we've been a few weeks ahead of this, and yeah, at the I guess my initial thought was that at forty nine hundred Richard Matthews had come to a price point where he was more likely the guy I was going to be interested in, but yeah, i mean you're right thirty five hundred is still extraordinarily cheap Eric decker certainly a, a, I believe yes, a reasonable and sneaky option. Especially if you're trying to pair somebody with Mariota and if you're trying to free up some cash for guys like a ninety, seven hundred dollar, you know, Todd Gurley this yeah, week. Yeah,
0: who we'll get to. But first let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs side of the football. I think that I think that Alex Smith, just based on his salary and what people are talking about, sort of the buzz you hear out there, might be the highest owned quarterback on this slate, which is pretty weird to hear. You know,
1: and and this is a week where you might actually be interested in quarterback ownership, right? Or I not
0: think, yet? I, I, I think you know it's going to be it's going to be there will be a greater spread than there usually is. I think that, um, yeah, I think that this is a week where you got to be interested in ownership across all positions, especially if you're playing tournaments. And like, I should say, I I I generally come to this podcast and to our show on serious, just to our content in general from a cash game perspective. I'm not playing cash games this week. I hate playing cash games on these short slates, so I'm always thinking about this from a tournament perspective. and cash, I don't care about ownership. In tournaments, I'm always going to be cognizant of it. And I think Alex Smith, yeah, I think he's going to, I think just given the given the matchup, he's going to have the, you know, the weapons at his disposal. The fact that Matt Nagy has been really good since he took over his play caller there, a lot more aggressive. I think that, uh, you know, he's playing at home. I think that Alex Smith is going to be the chalk. Uh, well, so that's I'm not exciting. Sure I'm interested yeah,
1: in. that's exciting for me to hear. That to me, that's more confirmation for what I was thinking. Because the way that I split the hair with Alex Smith was that, well, it's basically at that price point. You know, it's kind of between him and Drew Brees and a few other guys. And if you look at it, Drew Brees has has the best matchup, or at least per the week seventeen matchup tool. He certainly did out of that group of quarterbacks. And then you look and you say, "Man, that Chiefs game is a little bit one of the you know it. it the over under is lower, so the over under is higher in the Saints game. So I you know I kind of like that you know as well. And then I've got so much interest in Mariota. I think that's the quarterback I'm going to pursue. In that that matchup, of course, there's plenty of reason to you know to, to be interested in Alex Smith. But hearing that everybody's going to be interested in him, I I I, I kind of like those other thoughts. Especially now, I'm pulling up the the Wild Card Weekend DraftKings trend sheet. That's part of the pa- powerful analytics behind Hyper DFS and the. Uh, DFS cheat sheets at See, rosterwatch.com. I haven't, I haven't
0: even looked at it yet. Cause I haven't put in my trends and I don't want my, uh, <laughs> I don't want my suggestions. Well, Drew, silly. Drew
1: Brees, Drew Brees at that price point, as I, I guess suspected in my preparations,
0: does he have the most trends,
1: eight, eight trends right yeah. at the very top. Well, Alex
0: and he's going to get another one from me, Alex
1: Smith, only four trends. So you're going to have to make some tough decisions. I'm interested in Mariota in that side of the equation. At that price point, I like Drew Brees in a higher over/under game in a dome, at home, man. And the the and the analytics uh, seem to agree. And so you factor all that in, and it sounds like everybody's going to be on Alex Smith. I, I I'd rather I like where where our heads are at. Uh, you
0: we have um, we have. Kareem Hunt, not counting last week, where he only had the one touch for 35 yards and a a touchdown on just the ultimate troll job there, Uh, you know, the week 17, no Charcantric West, everybody tries to load up on Akeem Hunt, and then you see a Hunt running into the end zone, and it is somehow Kareem Hunt on the one play he gets in. But before that, uh, week 15, 31 touches for Kareem Hunt, and week 16, 33 touches for Kareem Hunt, uh, you know the Matt Nagy effect. If anything, has had the biggest, um, I guess. The, I guess the Matt Nagy uh, transition into play calling has had the biggest effect on Kareem Hunt. What's your interest level in Kareem Hunt this week? It's a. I think the matchup. I think the matchup for this week out of the eight. Let me pull up the tool at rosterwatch.com. The reference tool. Uh, it's the seventh worst of the entire week. So. Uh, not a great matchup versus Tennessee, but I kind of think that a guy like Kareem Hunt in this kind of system, in this kind of game at home is a big favorite, a little bit matchup proof.
1: Well, let me just get this on the record right now um, in regards to Kareem Hunt. Uh, so I think that Saquon Barkley, my comp for him is going to be and Tomlinson, but my modern current comp for Saquon Barkley is a Kareem Hunt, Zeke Elliott hybrid. I just Which wanted to,
0: is just gross.
1: I wanted to get that out there on the record. As far as Kareem Hunt, you know, the more I think about it, the more I like it. Because initially, I look at the matchups, I've, and I'm I'm more interested in Kelsey and Tyreek Hill per the matchups. But what have I said? I've said I'm kind of coming off of Alex Smith.
0: and I'm off of Tyreek I, Hill. And, why, do you, and, why do you like the and, Tyreek Hill matchup? And, I like Tyreek Hill's price.
1: Well, it's a it's it's a decent matchup on the number three on the on the yeah, tool,
0: but number just, three on the it, tool, right? But I it, think a Dory Jackson
1: is a weird matchup for Tyreek Hill,
0: and it's just and it's a bad one for Tyreek Hill. Whenever you look at the number of twenty plus yard, uh, twenty plus yard plays that have been allowed by the Tennessee Titans, they are number they are number three in the league. They've only allowed thirty seven plays of twenty plus passing yards. That is, I mean, the, the Indianapolis Colts allowed sixty four. So, so you think Tyreek
1: is going to be low ownership then?
0: No, I think he's going to be chalk. Okay. And I, I just, I think that, I think this is a game wherever, you know, I think that it's going to be an underneath fest to Travis Kelsey. I think if Albert Wilson's healthy, I'd maybe kind of like him a little bit, but I don't th- I think the Tyreek The old, Hill, the gonna old to, Prince Albert. They're going <laughs> to, they're going to have to manufacture touches. For Tyreek Hill, I feel like to 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 get him involved. I think it's a weird matchup with Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson's been playing better actually lately. We always said it was just going to take time. He sucks now, but he could be good. Well, and those just are a similar place.
1: similar builds and athletes. My might, they might be able to go tit for tat. Look, the price point is good. Anytime you count Tyreek Hill out, he could go for a monster. Well, that
0: I, I, I think it's I, I an interesting— I should have, <laughs> I should added the the caveat that. Tyreek Hill is one player on this slate that has slate-breaking ability. I understand that. But I think for me, even at the low price, you know, I feel like he's going to be a fade. I'm going to look at the ownership projections here since I don't have hours just yet from Mike um, from well, band. While, while
1: you're doing that, can I mention, Alex? And, 30, he's,
0: he's, he's going to be the highest owned. Yeah, It's look, it's going to be a butt-puckering experience to – Fade Tyreek Hill as the 32.5% owned, highest owned player on the slate per Chris Cimino over at Roto Grinders. I'll see where our ownership projections have him, but I'm sure they'll be somewhere close. And as the most owned player on the slate, I don't I don't think I'm gonna take a guy that I feel like in a matchup like this, maybe has what, six target upside, seven target upside, and really dependent on the big play. Well,
1: where I'm getting on your side of the fence is that with my interest in Mariota, Walker, and potentially Decker or Matthews and a come-from-behind effort in that type of game script, I think you would tend to tell me that that correlates well with the other team's RB1, which would be Kareem Hunt in this situation. So, based on the strategy that's coming together in that game, it looks like I'd probably be coming off Alex Smith and more than likely fade Tyreek Hill at, at my own peril and get in on Kareem Hunt. And have to, and probably not go with Kelsey because I'd more than likely going to have Delaney
0: Walker. Right. Are you about ready to move on to the next one here? Falcons at Rams.
1: Yeah. Let's buzz through these.
0: All right. Let's go to uh, the the other Saturday game. uh, The Rams uh, will host the Falcons. This game started out as a fifty over under. It's moved down to forty eight. So seeing some. Betting here on the underside of this one, uh, the Los Angeles Rams started out as five and a half point favorites, five point favorites. They have moved to five and a half point favorites despite uh, 51% of public bets being on the Atlanta Falcons, 49% being on the Rams. I think that the analysis of this one, at least on the Rams side of the football, probably should start with Todd Gurley. Don't, don't, don't know if it is with Todd Gurley, but at 9700. Boy, man, he sure does throw a throw a wrench in the old bicycle spokes there. For getting anybody else worth a shit in your lineup on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, I have interest in the Rams defense. Jared Goff is the highest trending quarterback within our internal analytics. I I certainly like Goff at home under a Sean McVay. After, uh, in 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 order to uh, if we're thinking about paying up, you know, the consideration with Todd Todd, those type of running backs have absolutely murdered the Atlanta Falcons this. Year and I don't see any reason why Todd Gurley won't. It's an extraordinary price tag. A Le'Veon Bellish at his height price tag, ninety seven hundred dollars. And you know, for on the receiver side of things, I've I do have an interest in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. But ultimately, when I split the hairs and I look at the difference in the pricing, I'm always going to be driven to steer towards one of the golden children of Roster Watch Nation, and my interest would lie in Cooper Cup if I am going to roll out a receiver.
0: No, I, I think Cup – and you know what, man? All those red zone targets, all that stuff is fi- – it's going to have to finally they catch up with Cooper Cup. We know that, uh, that versus Atlanta, you know, you're not going to see any of Desmond Trufant there in the slot. I believe that that's Brian Poole. So um, just interesting matchup there for Cooper Cup. Certainly like him a lot on DraftKings at 5,800. Well, you know, just what about Gurley? Can you get him in? Are you getting him in? He's the first guy you put in. Uh Yeah,
1: I mean with my Mariota, the with Mariota and some of these other guys, I'm pretty easily able to get Todd Gurley in with the lineup I like and part of that which people might be coming off of now with the news about Devontae Freeman, part of that is considering a cheap Tevin Coleman on the other side of the ball. Well, he and- can he can free up some cash for you a cheap Tevin Coleman and a cheap Muhammad Sanu Are two guys that can create a little cash for you for a guy like Todd Gurley, and 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 it's a game stack that makes some
0: sense. The thing about Tevin Coleman is just all right. So the Rams side of the football, I think we've basically said it. No real, no interest in any of these wacky tight ends or anything like that. Or you know, I I think for us, it's gonna. I mean, Robert Woods, fine. You know, I'm fine with it. If you if you have, you know, whatever the fifty eight hundred or how much is Robert Woods sixty six so
1: hundred six, and you Woods has shown the most upside, but yeah, it's, it's not a good 6, matchup. Not a good matchup against Alford and True Font for Robert Woods. Those are that's, that's, those are that's that's a, ki- those that's are tough kind of matchups. Guy,
0: that's the kind of guy that they can guard pretty well. <laughs> yes, it sure um, is. And so, Cooper
1: Cup is unguardable.
0: Yeah, uh, out of the you know also also working out of the slot, so won't won't see really either of those guys. Um, and then Sammy Watkins is just—he you know, just seems like he's just been left sort of behind there. I think it's gonna take another off season for him to get on the same page.
1: Can't wait to ask Leslie. He'll probably throw a legal procedure penalty on me when I'm up there firing out my questions about his <laughs> his. Young wide receiver core and how he views them as a general manager. Can't wait to ask. Look, we told you from training camp on the first and second day of Sammy Watkins' practice with the Rams, we said there's no way we're touching this guy with more than a anything less than a 10-foot pole and more than a wide receiver five in our fantasy leagues this ask, year.
0: Ask that donk if he still sees Brian Quick as the next V-Jacks. <laughs> okay. Hard, hard uh,
1: to call Les need and Tom Telesco yeah.
0: donks right now. Yeah. Well, I feel like – let. I feel like Les Snead has certainly been the beneficiary of – I feel like Les Snead probably would have kept Jeff Fisher around as long as he could, and he's been the beneficiary of a good coach. I think he skated by by the skin of his teeth, and it's hard to call him a donk right now, but he did say that Brian Quick is the next V-Jax.
1: Made a great hire at the coaching staff and has a pretty damn good roster, man. Yep. Uh,
0: So, speaking of the – Speaking of the Rams, uh, anything else on them, or do you want to move over to the Atlanta side?
1: Like I said, my interest on the Atlanta side looks like it's going to be in Tevin Coleman and Mohamed Sanu at the moment in the game stack there.
0: In, in, uh, in Tevin Coleman, we have a guy who's, over the course of the last five weeks, his average salary, uh, the salary for this week, 4100 is down 30%. From his average over the course of the last five weeks, he has three x this salary forty percent of the time this season. It's the number two matchup of the week out of eight at Atlanta or at Los Angeles. That would be a top twelve matchup if all thirty two teams were playing. A DK median of eleven point four points. So I mean, almost a three x there if we're just going by his median. Now that median does include two games without uh, Devontae Freeman. With that said, though, you know. Devonte Freeman on Friday off of the injury report he had the knee and he had uh some did he have some kind of lingering concussion or some kind of head it was two things wasn't it
1: I thought it was just a lower extremity
0: okay it was a knee and there was I thought there was something else maybe I'm just thinking about the fact that he was coming off a concussion there whenever Tevin Coleman was out but well, regardless he's been he's been banged up and this is a game where I could see you know th- the Los Angeles Rams, if they do get up ahead and uh, and and Atlanta's playing from behind, I can see this being a game where they get uh, Tevin Coleman involved which to the tune of five or six targets. This is going to be a game where they need to get Tevin Coleman and uh, Devontae Freeman both pretty heavily involved. I think at 4100 Tevin Coleman is just cheap enough to where you can consider him even with uh, Devontae Freeman in. I think the fact that Devontae Freeman is in that should bring down his ownership to where it's not going to be anything where you're going to be, you know, rostering some sort of chalk, Tevin Coleman, you know, in a spot that's not necessarily the the best. What are your yeah, thoughts on I, that?
1: I, I see this as the as the confluence of events that we look for to indicate a right moment. The pricing is depressed. You've got the subterfuge with the Freeman coming back, but probably you know he's got he's been a little bit banged up, but it's going to could could. Could bring the ownership per, per, uh, percentages down on Tevin Coleman. I think th- this, the time is right on Tevin Coleman. Let's not forget he was basically he was a fringe RB one in PPR last year, and he flashed it at times. This is a good moment for him. If you're going to ever be interested in Tevin Coleman, this is the week to do it. I'm I'm certainly planning on having a some Tevin in my lineups.
0: We also like Mohamed Sanu. I think if you're playing tournaments, you got to have some exposure. To, if you're doing the, like you know big. MME, um, style, of, mass multi-entry style of uh, play. I think you got to have some Julio Jones. I don't think anybody's going to own him because everybody's paying up for, uh, everybody's paying up for, running back. But I do think that he does have tremendous upside, and we've seen in these types of games. I mean, look, Steve Sarkeesian. You can make fun of him all you want, and say he sucks all you want, but the volume's been there for Julio Jones. The production hasn't necessarily been there, but he's been getting targeted out, out the wazoo. So. Uh, always a threat to go big, especially in these big games, is Julio Jones. Um, you know, uh, what about Austin Hooper? He's getting some buzz. You always kind of like him. Do you not like him this week? I don't. He's just not getting the targets.
1: Yeah, he's just been off my radar because of a relatively low ceiling. You know, when one thing Mike Band has really taught me is that when I'm splitting some hairs. You know, with these guys of who to get in at certain price points and sneaky plays and value guys and trying to make a budget work. I mean, in the end of the day, I don't want somebody that's going to screw me, but I want somebody with some upside, and it's just not apparent that Austin Hooper has real upside, game, real like big money winning upside. No, you know the, what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, the only game he's shown it was in that game versus the Bears, I believe, in week one of the season, and he only had two targets in that game. But you know, he had the. He's one been mustard. a
1: good emergency option, but. Uh...
0: Yeah, no interest. Not, okay. I'm 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 paying up
1: I'm I'm paying up is a strong word because I think Delaney Walker is a reasonable price this week. I think people can also consider a guy like Greg Olson. I'm not really interested in Charles Clay against the Jags this week, but I'm gonna spend a little money on tight end this week.
0: Speaking of Charles Clay, let's go to that one. Buffalo at Jacksonville. This will be the first game of the Sunday slate starting at noon central. The over under is thirty nine and a half, so the lowest over-under of the slate Uh, Jacksonville is eight and a half point favorites starting on the Jacksonville side. uh, We know that Marquise Lee returned to a limited practice on Friday. His availability is still up in the air, but it looks like he's probably going to be good to go. We know that Alan Hearns uh, is back, ran most of his routes last week out of the slot. Um, we're seeing that D.D. Westbrook is at a price uh, decrease this week with the fact that he's getting the targets but not necessarily producing. While Keelan Cole has had the big trash man's favorite, Keelan Cole, the big price bump. To me, none of that even matters. I don't care about that. I was a little bit interested in this passing game to start the week, but as the week's gone on, I've just gotten more and more laser focused on Leonard Fournette in this game, pairing him with the Jacksonville defense. Byron, where where are you as far as the Jacksonville offense uh, here? Where are you on Fournette? Are you as eager to get him in as you are to get in Todd Gurley? Versus Blake- the best matchup for opposing running backs in the entire league.
1: Blake Bortles salmon has died for you over the course of the week.
0: It has. I didn't I'm I'm I didn't warm up with a final cup of coffee to Blake Bortles.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have so much fun doing this, man. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Um yeah, I'm I'm warm to Leonard Fournette. He's a big and just sick and disgusting beast. I was trying to think. Let me see. There was a decision I had to make when I was putting Fournette in. Let me see. I I don't know. It's just like the matchup is great. The meeting is great. It just feels like if Fournette is he, he's a supreme talent, and this is a game where they're gonna they're gonna the game script is good for him. And I just think that if there's ever a time for a Fournette breakout, this is the kind of game in the playoffs that really means something. It feels like he's been slowly regaining his health over the last month. It, it feels like a good spot for Leonard Fournette, especially when guys like Gurley and Kamara are you know, $9,000. You can't forget Fournette lives in that realm of pure talent. I, as I've told Alex, we have not seen the full – repertoire from Leonard Fournette in the NFL yet. We will see that in the next couple of years. It takes a little time to acclimate, but yeah, I, I mean, and then I have a note to myself here. I couldn't get any of the Jaguars receivers in for my list of personal trends for this week's DFS cheat sheets, but I did have a note to myself, which Jacksonville wide receiver is it? I can't figure it out. I don't really like Bortles. I actually think that Bill's secondary under McDermott is, you know, kind of sneaky good so in the end when I've had these headaches in the course of the season I've made more money when I've just gotten away from them completely so do you I mean is there is that part of uh, unlocking the slate Alex figuring out which Jacksonville wide receiver is going to go bananas
0: well I just no I think it's a huge headache because all right all these guys can run out of the slot right We've seen Marquise Lee out of the slot. We know that Dede can go in the slot. Alan Hearns ran most of his routes out of the slot last week. I mean, Keelan Cole looks like a guy that should be a slot receiver anyway. So if we're going to have all these guys back healthy this week, what does – I mean, is it Marquise Lee's snaps limited? Does Hearns play as many snaps in the slot as he did last week? Like, you know, we have – D.D. Westbrook with 97% of snaps last week. Keelan Cole with 100% of snaps last week. Hearns with 78% of snaps last week. How does this, you know, how does Marquis Lee coming back affect that? Does it bump maybe D.D. Westbrook to one of the outsides where Hearns will still be in the slot? I mean, it's, at this point, it seems pretty hard to keep Keelan Cole off of the field, so I just I don't know how the snaps are going to be broken up with the hell. Man, it's so,
1: at some point you got to go with some clarity in the information you have. And for me, it's the fact that I don't want any of the Buffalo Bills, and I know that I want Leonard Fournette, which means there's a good chance I also want the Jaguars defense in my DFS lineup. So I see this as a kind of a situation where you consider a Leonard Fournette Jaguars stack and just a move on in, 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 a, in a game where you move on nothing to see on the bills side of things and just a game where the Jaguars slowly dominate the bills
0: yeah I agree totally and I have no interest on anybody on the bills side except for maybe a Charles Clay uh, especially if we don't have any look if we don't have any LaShawn McCoy I'm not playing Mike Tolbert or Marcus Murphy I'm not playing them I mean I just I think that if we I, I just I'm not playing them um, I'm Because gonna, you're hoping I'm
1: gonna... for what a touchdown I guess Tolbert can catch the ball a little bit But the draft Dude, teams we Have play you in seen Texas his is...
0: fat ass lately like, He's not going to catch the, they're, gonna, they're not going to be able to get anything done That's why I'm a little bit interested in Charles Clay I mean you have Kelvin Benjamin Who's banged up and hurt You have Zay Jones who I mean as much as we love him He's been no good this year I think he still He still has it in him I mean Zay Jones Was right up there at the t- Trash me was arguing That Zay Jones Was a better prospect At the Senior Bowl Than Cooper Cup Which we didn't agree with But we at least saw it As being reasonable um,
1: The only thing That saved him Was his evaluation Of Josh Reynolds
0: Yeah which was very good I think that I think that And and his Corey Clement love it Was kind of coming Oh no, hey I, I loved Corey Clement yeah, too We all kind of liked him But anyway Um I don't know. I, I just – I have a little bit of – I have a little bit of Charles Clay uh, interest, 4000 a little bit cheaper than Delaney Walker. Um, I just feel like he's going to be the only option. And if you look over the course of the last few weeks, he's sort of back to um, the, you know, eight eight targets in week 17, in week 16, 10 targets, and then in week 15 – Nine targets. So he's gotten eight, nine, and ten targets in each of the last three weeks. That's a lot of volume for just 4K in a game where, you know, the way that you can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars is certainly not on the outsides. You know, you beat them with your running game and you beat them with your tight ends. If you don't have a running game, Charles Clay makes a ton of sense to me. Um, but that's well, it.
1: Well, it's it's certainly a reasonable notion. You know that I've been on the Charles Clay thing for weeks now. Uh, it was – it's primarily – just the horrible matchup that and the, that was keeping me off of him and, and my interest in in Delaney Walker. But you raise a great point. This is PPR with no Shady McCoy, and you know the target volume's been there. That that makes Clay a pretty reasonable play and is a, a reasonable notion this week. So you know, this guys, this is what we always talking talk about, kind of letting our builds come to us. By deduction. And then what occurs is clarity and intuition just starts to come to you in these builds. And so what's already occurred to me is that in my Marcus Mariotti lineups, I'm going to have Delaney Walker. And that means I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to have Travis Kelsey. For for most intents and purposes, maybe I have a little bit. If I want to get cocky, baby, but in my principal lineups, that tells me I'm probably not going to have Travis Kelsey. I'm moving in on Mariota and Walker in that lineup, and then when I so what that also tells me is that Charles Clay will then be in play as my naked tight end with any other quarterback lineups I put together, uh, other than Mariota, where I'm paying up. More for quarterback. So what I know now is I've got a Mariota Walker, principal build, and then I've got a naked Charles Clay with the pay up quarterback principal build. And Greg Olson may come into that fold as well. We'll talk about it, but right now at four thousand, you know Clay Alex makes a good case for Clay in a tough matchup, just like Greg Olson has for a, a whole thousand dollars more.
0: Let's move on to the next one here, the final one of the of the slate and of this podcast. Uh, that is Carolina going down to the dome. In New Orleans, this game opened as a 48.5-point total. It is down to 48 points now. New Orleans now a 7-point favorite. They started out as a 6-point favorite. A big, big number for New Orleans to move through there to get to minus 7. Uh, That looks to just happen this morning. A couple spots, you can still get them at minus 6.5. Looks like you can still get them at minus 6.5 at the MGM. Still get them at minus 6.5 at the Wynn Las Vegas. But you're going to be paying 20% juice on both of those those lines. So um, it looks like the move is in, Byron. uh, The move is in to go through a touchdown here for the New Orleans Saints. That generally means some sharp money. Uh, On the other side, uh, the New New Orleans Saints, 52% of public betting tickets on them, only 48% on the Panthers. So it looks like that the Sharps might be falling in line, at least with these early moves, with the perception of the public that New Orleans should roll in this game. How do you see things from the New Orleans side of the football?
1: Well, it's one of the higher-over-under games of the slate. And, um, you know, like I said, from the price point – At that middling $6,000 range, just based on the matchup, Drew Brees is the guy that I was driven to. I know the upside hasn't been there, but look, it's a home game in the Dome, in the playoffs, and everything matters for Drew Brees. I mean, it is still Drew Brees, and I know that I like Michael Thomas this week. So once again, by deduction... You know, I just I have some pure interest based on my interest in Michael Thomas, based on the matchup, based on the over-under, based on it being a home game, based on it being in a dome, based on the fact that it's Drew Brees. And so those guys come into focus for me. I mean, I you've always gotta be nervous fading the Saints running backs. That's been a tough thing to to slice. I'm I've got most interest in Alvin Kamara, if I'm gonna roll one of them out this week, but Look, we can't put everybody on the cheat sheet. Otherwise, it's not a cheat sheet. So, you got to make some tough decisions at those price points. Kamara is a guy I'll be thinking long and hard about, but I'm not sure that I'm married to him this week. And um, so, that's, that's how I see the Saints side of the ball. Ted Ginn, on the season numbers wise, has made so much sense as a DFS play, but just doesn't seem to work out when I pull the trigger. So, I'll be staying away from that.
0: Yeah, I, no interest at all in any of the Brandon Coleman's, the Tommy Lee Lewis's, Willie Sneed's. None of these idiots do not care one bit, even though Carolina is the number one matchup of all 32 teams for opposing wide receivers. I, I just this 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 passing attack is concentrated so much between Michael Thomas and the two running backs, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. It makes me interested in Drew Brees, too. He's at home. He's in the dome. He is Drew Brees. This is for the. This is for his playoff life. Uh, even if these running backs both go ham, there's a great likelihood that a lot of that is done through Drew Brees and through the air. Michael Thomas is a guy who I love this week, and uh, you know clearly Michael Thomas is attached to Drew Brees' arm. Um, we, we haven't seen an explosion in the dome where Drew's going off for four touchdowns, five touchdowns, six touchdowns this entire season. Now, is that going to, you know, is that going to make you money every week having that line of thinking? No, you would have lost money having that line of thinking every week saying, well, is this going to be the week? Is this going to be the week? With all that said, man, I I think that, uh, I don't know. I, I just, maybe this could be the week, right? It's 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 Drew Brees, and he's just as cheap as all the rest of these guys.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's this, you know. Kind of like the Tevin Coleman thing. I mean. You're looking for the indicators that show that the opportunity might be right, the confluence of the events and look I, I, Drew Brees isn't gonna screw you. He might not go bananas for a tournament winning million dollars, but he's not gonna screw you. The price point's reasonable. He's got, it's, he's, a, he, has,
0: he has a great floor. He it's a rational play,
1: there. and if you're telling me everybody else is playing Alex Smith at that price point, I have no problem
0: I'm uh, taking, 100% Drew taking Brees my chances I mean, yeah. with
1: Drew Brees. And, you know, I think you make a great point that, you know, like I said, I have some interest in Kamara. And, you know, you always have to be worried about those running backs. They can certainly do their damage through the air, which would all connect to Drew Brees, you know. For And then on, on the other side of the ball, man, my I am most interested in Christian McCaffrey. It's also part of the reason that I've come off of Kamara and Ingram. I don't think McCaffrey's got tournament winning upside or he hasn't shown it yet but he's been a rock solid play against the New Orleans Saints this year in PPR uh, I expect him to have you know he's got a role that you can count on it's on the on the fast track in a dome you always like that for McCaffrey in a high over under game and so I'm interested in McCaffrey I hate Devin Funches right now uh, there's a case to be made for Olson, especially because our analytics likes Cam Newton so much this week. but I just in my cam Newton's not moving the needle for me this week. He never has from the beginning of the week till now. and am I missing something there, Alex? Because the model sir sure do seem to like to like him?
0: Do our analytics like cam? yes, jesus christ i don't I don't like him. I think he's looked like shit. I think outside of doing outside of what he's done with his what with his feet. I just I can't stand the way Cam's looked recently. Um, I mean, you
1: gotta wonder if they think he's just gonna do a lot of running on the fast track in the dome in a high over under game in a playoff situation. He very well might. It was our it's that our logic.
0: So up and down. I mean, they could come out and look awesome like they did in weeks. You know, like they did in uh, like verse. You know, in that time back when they were in that stretch where they were playing like the Patriots, and then they had the home game after that versus. Who oh, I forgot was that Houston or who? I mean, is-, is
1: Cam a higher up? So, what do you think about Cam versus Breeze? I mean, to me, that's that's an interesting pivot. I don't know where the ownership's going to be. You think? Who? I mean, I, what what do you think the ownership will be of those two players? And then, uh, I don't know. The more I think about that, I maybe there is a case to be made for Cam versus Drew in that
0: matchup. I think they're going to have the same ownership. I think they'll each be between ten and I think it will be ten ish percent, twelve ish something. 12 to 15, 10 to f- 10 to 15% each. You know?
1: I sleep easier at night with a Drew Brees in my lineup in this situation. There's an argument that Cam Newton has I, I don't, I don't want to say more upside. Drew Brees can throw five touchdowns, but Cam Newton could have he's he's he can have two rushing touchdowns. He can run for 60 yards. He can also have a three or four passing touchdown game, especially a guy like McCaffrey that I like. So I don't know, gun to head, I, I believe we're gonna be with Breeze, but it's the analytics like Cam Newton. That means that's something that we need to be paying attention to. A Cam Newton, maybe a Cam, Cam Newton, Cam Christian Newton's McCaffrey. Last, stat. Cam
0: Newton's last two games at New Orleans. Jesus Christ! A thirty-point two-pointer and a forty-one-point-five-pointer. Last two games in that dome. So
1: only a hundred dollars uh, more than Breeze. So that's something we're going to have to spend some time, spend a little sussing time, out. maybe see if yeah.
0: we need to warm up a little bit with. Warm up with a Saturday morning cup of coffee to that do, guy. Do you um, like
1: McCaffrey or Olson? I like I, I have the most interest in McCaffrey. He's been you know, pretty Olsen, good against the Olsen,
0: Saints. Olson nine targets last week, but I believe he only they only connected on one of them. Was it? You just wonder what's going on there. I I, I I'm not interested in McCaffrey. If I'm paying for somebody there in that in that range, instead of going for McCaffrey, I'm going to look to maybe pay up five hundred more to get. Mark Ingram who's on who's on sale for basically fifteen percent off what he probably what he should be uh based on our models uh they're at sixty what sixty nine hundred. Uh,
1: that's a good that's a that's a really good point. What do you so, think about what do you like McCaffrey at sixty four hundred more than Henry at six thousand?
0: I I just worry that this game script could get away from Derek Henry a little bit. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I like it a little bit more for McCaffrey. Because you know, it's like a Leonard Fournette. You drafted these guys to play a key role in your offense. You're in the playoffs by, you know, by through some degree, at least kind of using them in that role. Now's the time to really feature them. So, yeah, I think I would go with McCaffrey. over. You're making a good case
1: for Mark Ingram. $1,700 cheaper than Kamara. So,
0: yeah. And then, so I guess, you know, as far as, I mean, Olsen, not too much interest. I'm not, I have no interest in Devin Funchess. I feel like he looks hurt. I was looking at the snap counts earlier for the Panthers and just maybe a super, super deep play uh, who's been getting some run the last couple weeks. I've noticed he's been getting targets. Um, is Brenton Burson. Uh, I seems kind of gross. But uh, four targets uh, last week on 57% of snaps. Um, the week before that, he had four targets on seventy-seven percent of snaps. So, last couple of weeks, you've seen Brenton Burson sort of step up into that role that Demir Bird and Curtis Samuel were sort of playing there uh, for these guys. If we do see, um, if we do see Devin Funches Locked up there with Marshawn Lattimore, I feel like, you know, you could have uh, Cam looking elsewhere in the passing game. If it's not to somebody like McCaffrey, you know, maybe you could see those targets go to a guy like Brenton Burson. But uh, again, just a very deep play, men's salary, uh, 3K on DraftKings, certainly a number of those plays you can look at. It's going to take a couple of a couple of plays like that maybe to win a win a big tournament or be able to fit in all these guys who you really like this week, so... Definitely a tough slate. It's a tough nut to crack. Make sure to go to rosterwatch.com, see where our final analytics have put these guys as far as the DFS cheat sheets available for DraftKings and for FanDuel. We should have – are we going to have Hyper DFS this week, Byron? I think we're going to try to.
1: There's a – yeah, this – we're going to – we'll try to this week. There's a chance we'll migrate to just the DFS cheat sheets in the playoffs. We'll –
0: it just depends on the number of combinations that Hyper is going to be able to give. So we're going to we're going to have to look at that. But go to RosterWatch.com. Make sure and check it all out. Also, the Vegas tool should be up uh, at some point on Saturday before the games kick off, as well as the wild card worksheets for running back, wide receiver, and tight end. The reference tools available right there on the ticker to the pro members at RosterWatch.com. Byron, anything else on this slate before we get out of here?
1: Happy New Year to Roster Watch Nation, man. We thank you guys so much.
0: We do. We love every single one of you guys. We consider you all friends and family. We cannot wait to continue bringing you the award winning excellence that is our reporting our travels and our offseason travails through the NFL offseason so uh, with that go to rosterwatch.com get a pro membership if you like the podcast please give it a five-star rating and a killer five-star review in iTunes for Byron Lambert for the trash man for the robot genius and all of roster watch nation my name is Alex Dunlap this is the roster watch podcast we will see you next time